It's your boy, and welcome to episode 82 of the podcast, This Is M, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Everywhere you find good podcasts, you know you'll find this one. Take a minute, rate and review us, give us five stars. Type a couple sentences about why you like the podcast and why others will also. And if you can think of one person in your life who you think would like the show, send them your favorite episode. Also, video podcast out now, which you can find on thisismpod.com. That's thisismpod.com. Sorry, I thought I had to sneeze there for a second. Uh, find the latest episode. Watch the video on our website or click through to our YouTube channel. Subscribe there. And uh, what do they say? Ring the bell so that you know when the new episodes come out. But hey, you're an adult. You'll figure it out. Um, happy, well, Sunday for me. Probably Monday for you or sometime later in the week. Hope everyone's doing okay. Your boy is stressed out. My brain is actually starting to kind of shut down. And uh, even as I'm sitting here, I'm like sweating. Um, I may need to mop up with my bandana here throughout the episode. But um, man, it's been a super stressful week for me. And uh, it sounds weird to say it because normally you'd think it'd be around finals or so. But when I actually think back on my time at school so far in the last couple of years, this has been the busiest week I feel like I've had in terms of having to juggle things and making sure everything gets done on time. For whatever reason, the planets have aligned where I have every single one of my classes, I have a huge major assignment um, to navigate at the same time. I have a, I have a big calculus exam um, tomorrow. I, I have uh, an ASL exam uh, tomorrow. And uh, I, for psych, I have a qualitative research paper that um, it's not due tomorrow, but um, the major component of it I have to execute tomorrow, and I'll have to spend the rest of next week uh, finishing that paper. So um, I've, you know, I've just really had to, you know, schedule my days, and I don't know, that doesn't sound that exceptional, but it's just things have been wall-to-wall this entire week, and uh, every moment has kind of had to be accounted for, it feels like, and uh, especially with calculus, man, I probably spent like maybe 30 hours, like rewatching lectures and taking notes. And uh, I don't know if you're like me, but if, if you, it's almost like a, you reach a point with studying where you almost overstudy, which is I've literally gone through, and I'm not supposed to be saying literally, but I've gone through all, I have literally gone through all of the lectures that we've done for this past unit for an entire chapter. It's like a dozen lectures, which are an hour and a half each. I've watched them all. I've worked through all the problems. I've gone through all the um, sort of checkpoints that we have had. And I just completed another sort of survey of those materials for the exam, and it was like I couldn't even think anymore. I was making ridiculous, silly mistakes, and it was like, I just have to stop looking at it, take a break, and um, and look at it tomorrow. So, uh, groomed a little bit. I'm freshly shaven, which is maybe why I'm sweating, I'm not sure. But, um, and uh, took a shao-shao. And uh, I even debated maybe doing the podcast a little bit late, but I thought, um, two things. One, I'll just feel better if I get it out of the way, right? And, uh, I mean, I think I said this with my, my, uh, I may have said this last week as well, but I, I think, uh, last weekend was pretty busy as well. I almost put off the podcast. Um, there's nothing wrong with forcing yourself to do things every now and then. I mean, of course you want to feel inspired, you want to feel up to it, but sometimes just forcing yourself to do something is effective as well. I mean, yesterday, I was at my girlfriend's place and we had spent the day together. And normally Saturday is like my day to do nothing. It's the one day of the week where I don't look at homework or whatever. But um, it just is the case, given the study schedule that I set for myself, 
that I had to do at least three hours of math homework yesterday. And about halfway through that, you know, I hit the wall. I was burnt out. Um, I was taking a break. I was like halfway through. And uh, I got in bed to just like uh, get on my phone and play some chess because <laughs> I'm a nerd. And uh, I told myself like, hey, just be done. Hey, just pack it in tomorrow. You know, tomorrow you got plenty of time. Just throw it in there. And uh, it didn't, thankfully. I pushed through and, and finished it. And of course, I'm sure I slept a little bit better for it. And uh, and of course, all the stuff I had planned for myself today got even longer. And also, your boy oh, was such a dweeb. I made the mistake of uh, checking in with a teacher. <laughs> It was a total, uh, sorry, if you're watching the video podcast, you're seeing me mop myself like, uh, I don't know, like I'm working out in the field or something, but, um, I did that classic move like out of a movie or something where I reached out to the teacher. There's basically nine units in this chapter and, uh, we have a quiz at the end of each section and, uh, the last, the last section 3.9 was never assigned. And so we have the test on Monday and I just reach out to the teacher and I say, hey, you know what? You never assigned 3.9. Is that something you want us to finish before the exam? Is that going to be on the test? Is that testable material, et cetera? And she goes, oh, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, you can finish that by Sunday. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Thank God we're going to school remotely or else I would have been that kid who just goes, uh, teacher, uh, do you have any homework for us? And uh, yeah, that would have been embarrassing. So yeah, I got to do that in private and, uh, you know, kick myself for it. But that just means... Uh, you know, the work I had to do today was, uh, was added to. So anyway, I feel pretty burnt out. Um, one thing I said I was going to do, I'd like to do that now. I'm going to break this into two parts. I have an ASL exam tomorrow, American Sign Language, where I have to tell a story. And, uh, it's a story that we learn. We see a video. So ostensibly you could just learn it by pantomime, by mimicry. You could learn the story yourself from this video and show it to other people. But I'm going to do two things. I'm going to, I'm going to tell the story now via sign language. So if you're listening, you're going to hear some silence. But that's a plug, I guess, to find the video podcast on our website at thisismpod.com or on YouTube and subscribe and see this story. See me sign it. Um, I can't pretend it's going to be perfect. I'm a first semester student of American Sign Language, so uh, you may know it yourself if you've taken the course before, and you can uh, give me some pointers. Actually, fuck yourself. Don't leave me any pointers. Just let it be whatever it is. But here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to sign the story uh, without narrating it, and then at the end of this episode, I'm going to go back and sign it again, and I'm going to narrate it while I'm doing it so that you know what the story is. But see if you can figure it out for yourself. Um, I will give you one clue. The story is called The Gum Story, and I will sign it for you. Now, fuck it. Oh, I gotta move my microphone here. All right, the gum story again.
and scene. So that is the gum story. Hopefully you are watching the video podcast for that, and I will uh, narrate it for you. I will do it again and narrate it for you at the end of the podcast. So there you go. That's what your boy's doing. That's what being a 35-year-old student looks like, is uh, learning sign language. So what do you think? Do I get an A? I, I think that rendition was maybe, for a first-semester student, that was probably uh, A-. minus. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking, maybe for some of you, that uh, uh, two and a half, three minutes of silence was some of the most compelling content on the podcast so far. Um, otherwise, what the fuck else is going on, man? Yeah. I don't know if, uh, sometimes I feel cursed. You know, when things are going busy, um, I'll tell you two things. I'll, I'll, I'll say a little, one reason why this week was a little bit difficult is, I had spring break the week before, now that I'm back in school. Of course I did this move before spring break where I told myself, you know, I'm going to catch up on all the math stuff I have to do. Not that I was really far behind, but I thought, hey, you got some exams coming up. Spring break would be a perfect time each day to uh, do a little bit of homework, to watch some of the lectures so that you're not in crunch mode when you get back to school. Of course, I didn't do that. And, um, you know, what are you going to do? That's not a high crime. It's your break. You're supposed to be enjoying yourself. If you want to use that time to study, great. And I probably should have done that, but I was also enjoying myself. So uh, there's no uh, court in the land that's going to convict me of anything wrong. But uh, when I got back Monday, I was just feeling kind of down in the dumps. I don't know. Back to school blues. Who the fuck knows? But... Uh, I was just feeling like I was at half capacity, and I was in my ASL lecture, and it was fine, and then we're in our lab, and there's a bunch of technical stuff, and we're just kind of all sitting around twiddling our thumbs while the facilitators are trying to figure things out, and it's just one of those days where it just feels like a big fucking waste of time, and there's a big part of me that just wants to, like, unplug and just, like, I don't know, fuck around for a couple hours before I have to do work stuff, but you get through it, and um, I exercised, and lately exercise has been more challenging than it has been. Not physically, but psychologically. You know, it's not like I'm working out a lot harder. It's just, I just feel like I'm kind of, I'm given 75%. I'm not given everything. I'm just kind of walking through the motions a little bit more. And that's fine. Not the end of the world. Um, it is what it is. But I worked out, took a shower, and then I walked to the corner store to get something to drink. And uh, as I was walking back, I can't remember what I saw that made me kind of look at it, but I checked out my vehicle and I realized, which was parked on the street right in front of my house where I live, the entire side of my vehicle had been swiped by another car. The driver's side rear view mirror was smashed. The, fr- the driver's side front tire was flat and there was a big gash along the side of my car. Uh, big gash is probably hyperbolic, but it just, you know, there was a big scrape along the side of my, my car. The front bumper was hanging askew and, uh, it was just like, Jesus Christ. I believe, I think I had just gone camping with my girlfriend, so I parked it, I must have just parked it when I got back, left it overnight, and at some point in that 12 hours, sorry, punch the mic, somewhere in that 12 hours or whatever it was, someone swiped my vehicle. Um, and already having to juggle things, it's like I had to facilitate a couple interviews that afternoon, I had other things to do for work, I was like, how am I going to deal with this, you know? I happen to live on a street where they have to, 
I'm I'm almost hesitant to t- to tell these kind of details because you do hear about like uh, people on the internet like triangulating someone's location based on the most minimal information. So I don't want someone to come over here and put a butcher knife in my neck. But I do live on a street where parking is restricted, and there's a certain time during the day where you can't park on the street every day. And um, uh, so I thought I only have a couple hours before this vehicle needs to be off the street. I even googled like, will the city like be forgiving if your vehicle's like not operable and they're like uh no of course not because that gives them the chance to tow it as well so uh basically called my insurance company and uh tried to figure out what it would take to get it towed to the um to uh to the body shop had that taken care of of course it takes three times as long as it's supposed to i had to cancel my interviews and uh push those you know to some other time later in the week and sort of compound my schedule and uh yeah, just a pain in the ass. Insurance is a nightmare. Of course, I have like a thousand dollar deductible. So, no matter. I mean, first of all, it's a two thousand. It's it's a truck from the two thousands with like one hundred sixty five thousand miles on it, um, and uh, you know, you, you, the last thing you want to do is be dumping money into it. So I have to spend at least a thousand dollars on it. The, the truth is, I should probably be getting a new car by now. But I have fond memories of this vehicle. I, it's a big part of my life, and I just. I don't know. I'm waiting for it to be totaled. It's seen a lot, you know, but it still runs. Of course, the AC doesn't work. There's a lot of things wrong with it, but that's okay. Mechanically, it's fine. It's just the electronics which are going on it, which uh, I think kind of makes sense. But um, uh, had the car towed, and uh, I've been without a vehicle for the last week. Um, that's no great shakes. I've had that at other times in my life, but it does mean. Um, and actually now that I reflect on it, that's probably why exercise has been a little more difficult as well, because I'm kind of walking everywhere and, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a running a marathon, but it does, uh, it does take its toll on you a little bit, I guess. But yeah, it's just one of those things where you feel like it's almost like the cosmos is making this happen. Because if I had used the week before to just kind of get things done, if something were to come up, which it seems to inevitably do when you sort of put things off or procrastinate, um, it just makes your life that much harder. It's like the cosmos is walk, watching you saying, here, are you making good use of your time? And if you happen to not be using your time as effectively as you could, when it, you are trying to, to cram everything together, it's like it gives you one extra thing to deal with just to kind of drive home the point like, hey, things wouldn't be so hard this week if you had done things the week before. Because I've ever been something even more catastrophic happened that really kept me from getting things done, right? It's never like a deal breaker. It's never enough to sort of break your spirit. It's just going to make it that much more difficult. But I don't know. I guess that's uh, those are the times where you find out. I don't know. I don't want to make it sound like a fucking Rocky movie. Like, that's where you find out what you're made of. But uh, I don't know. They are kind of growing moments. I mean, I think on the last episode, I was just talking about the I don't want to. You know, there's a big I don't want to with a lot of that stuff. You know, whether it's studying or whether it's work or a lot of things, right? Like, I just want to sit around and listen to Bela Bar talk, which I have been doing a lot, uh, which we've talked about. But, um, and also, I started playing this video game. It was actually mentioned on the Chris Alia podcast. I've heard of this game. I heard it was very difficult. I've, you know, it's been out for, I think, a couple years. And I've seen it kind of floating around in the zeitgeist. And uh, I flirted with the idea of getting it a couple times. But uh, Chris Alia mentioned it on his most recent podcast. And I thought, there you go. This, it's actually kind of dangerous, though, when you think about that. When you find a new game, because heaven forbid it's something you really enjoy. And then that's another thing, too. 
if you have a lot of shit going on, like when I was younger, uh, thank God, thank Christ. I'm not in my early twenties anymore, but when I was much younger, uh, and I think a lot of people experience this, but like, you'll have like 10,000 things to do. And so instead of doing any of them, you take a nap, you know, like that's like our stress response when we're completely overwhelmed. We just like go to bed as if that's like going to make our problems disappear. That's like a total classic, like young person move. But, um, there, it's almost like the devil's lying in wait, you know, like when things get really busy for you, it's like, Hmm, maybe you should start playing this video game. So you, it's like, it can make things even harder. But um, I did start playing this game, and actually, thank Christ, it's super fucking difficult because you get exhausted with it. You can't look at it for more than like 15, 20 minutes at a time because it's just, it's too difficult. Um, so it's actually been a nice way, as I'm like forcing myself to do all this work, it's actually been a nice way to, to take a break and sort of punctuate uh, my schedule and actually make some progress too because it's a difficult game. Um, you know, when you do make progress, it feels like its own type of accomplishment. Um, kind of like the game The Witness. I've talked so much about the Jonathan Blow game, The Witness, because it's exceedingly difficult. So when you actually do make progress, you really do learn something. And I think, uh, I don't know, for a long time I've sort of looked at, I don't know, I've sort of like, because I have an aversion to video games in general, if I am going to play a video game, I kind of want it to be smart. I kind of want to, it's almost like I need an excuse, like I need to justify the fact, the fact that I'm playing a video game. It's almost like the graphic novel of comic books. It's like people who want to read comic books, but they don't want to be seen reading Archie. So they read fucking 300 or um, Watchmen is probably the perfect example. It's not a comic book. It's a graphic novel. You're looking at pictures. Okay. And uh, let's be honest. You're playing a video game. And whether it's Call of Duty or um, I'm trying to think of one of the Batman games like Dark Arkham Asylum or whatever it's called. (laughs) And um, uh, it's a video game. It might as well be Sonic the Hedgehog, right? You're just mashing some buttons and watching uh, things uh, bleepity-bloop on a screen. Uh, But it's like I need it to be smarter. And there are smart video games out there. But uh, I guess I had an aversion to this game. Dude, have I even told you what the video game's called yet? (laughs) All right, it's called Cuphead. And it's actually a cool game. It's just like a shoot-em-up, run-and-gun game, but it's like animated like it's like a cartoon from the 1920s so it has like a very uh if you look it up and you see the images you'll know exactly what i'm talking about think about like old like steamboat willie and um just the old old cartoons it's it's like that um but it's pretty cool very very difficult but very cool and uh yeah oh what was i saying oh yeah i used to kind of give uh, video games a hard time because i thought it was just a complete fucking waste of time and don't get me wrong it can be a complete fucking waste of time um and i already feel my mind going in a thousand places but when you play a very challenging game like cuphead where it's basically boss fights it's basically just a sequence of boss fights. There's no, like, when you play, like, Sonic the Hedgehog or other games, you're sort of going through a world, just kind of running around having fun, and then at the end of the level or at the end of a series of levels, you'll have the boss fight, right? Um, this game is just boss fights, as far as I can tell. Uh, they get difficult as you go on, but they're just long, protracted fights with difficult enemies that you have to do multiple, multiple, multiple times to learn how they move, you know, and I'm, and I'm not the person to talk about this. Um, there's actually a YouTube video that kind of, kind of changed my thinking on this 
which is I played a game called Hollow Knight, which is phenomenal as well. If you haven't played Hollow Knight, you should check that out. Now, be prepared to lose a shit ton of your time to that game. Uh, but it is a fantastic video game, and it's beautiful, and it's well-drawn, and it's a great story, and it's really engaging, and it's good gameplay, and the boss fights are really cool. Um, all of the world design of that game is really, really cool. But I saw a video that was, I think was just like dissecting or talking about just how well the bosses alone in that game, the boss fights in the game are designed. And uh, so I think that just kind of planted the seed. And so the I think the idea of playing a game that was all boss fights was kind of interesting. Um and as you play it, most bosses, when you play them in a video game, will have maybe three or four moves that they do. And there's some kind of tell that the move is about to come. And sometimes there's an element of luck, like the, the planets just have to align. You, but, but as you play the boss and you lose over and over and over again, you develop this kind of choreography where you're looking for signals that trigger you to do a sequence where you either dodge or parry or attack. And um, it becomes this sort of learning environment right and uh i think as i was playing a little bit today i was just so frustrated that i had to keep returning to this boss over and over and over again and every sequence has been like this um i think the last time i checked it'll tell you like how there's there's you get to a point in the game where it tells you how many times you failed and i think i was at like 250 or something which sounds like a lot but believe me it's it's like uh i don't know what to equate it to but you know, when you first start fighting bosses, like you die instantaneously. So you don't have to invest a lot of time to rack up those kind of numbers. Um, but in a way I was thinking it's actually like chess, like chess is a really cool game because, you know, when you start playing, you have to lose a lot. It's, you know, if you're the type of person who needs to see yourself succeeding at something to continue, chess is really not the game for you. Um, and I say that as a person who like doesn't do well with not doing well at things. Like for me, I feel juvenile saying this, but I'm the type of person who I like to quit things very easily. Like I'm I'm kind of a perfect perfectionist. Not do and a, a big part of my psyche is like doing well, being competent, um, taking to things naturally, and I think I tend to do that. So it's almost wounding for me in terms of like my ego to attempt something and not do well at it. I, it's very easy for me to avoid those things. Um, in a way, I think it's why the exercise I've been doing lately has been this sort of I- I able to do indoors aerobic type exercise. Because if I had to go out and run in public, not that many people are going to see me, but this is just how self-conscious I am. The idea of having to run on the street and be out of breath or like be wearing my old exercise clothes, which are too tight and like seeing parts of me jiggle <laughs> or feeling parts of me jiggle that I don't want to feel jiggle. And, uh, and just, I don't know, having to like suck, especially in a, a quasi semi-public environment is like anathema to me. So it's like, I'm going to just work out at home and uh, it sucks, but at least I get to do it in private. I get to be um, out of shape in private. And by the way, uh, I've officially lost 10 pounds. Can you see it? I'm all groomed up. I feel like I look, my features look thinner when I groom. So, uh, um, maybe you notice, maybe you can't, but the point is, is that, uh, I do feel the effects. I feel stronger. I feel better in my body. Um, still, I'd like to lose 10 more pounds, but, um, but, uh, I feel good. 
Uh, I, when I was with my girlfriend this weekend, and maybe I'll get back to whatever the fuck I was just talking about, but when I was with my girlfriend this weekend, dude, you can't tell me there's not a fucking spirit in my life, dude. You cannot tell me there's not a fucking spirit in my life. I was sitting at home on Friday. I, I was going to see my girlfriend Friday night, and I was thinking, what are we going to do with our weekend? I don't have a car. We got to do something local. And this is where I got to start talking big because, I, again, I, I don't want anyone putting a butcher knife in my neck, so I can't go into specifics about where I live. But I thought, you know what? My girlfriend lives off of this major street. And if you just march up it, uh, you can literally walk across town. And I thought, you know what's at the other end of town, at the end of that street, is the very apartment that when I moved here 12 years ago and I stayed, well, <laughs> and I, I think I said his name on the other podcast, uh, which I shouldn't do. But I found some dude on Craigslist when I moved out here uh, who I crashed at for like two months while I like found a place and found a job and all that sort of stuff. And this is the dude who, when I stayed with him, I took a drug test for him. He was like a pre-med student who had to take like a drug test and he smoked uh, copious amounts of pot and uh, had a surprise drug test and needed clean piss. And even though your boy went on to uh, have a um, pretty prolific career of his own pot smoking, I guess I wasn't smoking at that time. And felt qualified to take a, uh, a drug test for him. So he went off to run some errands. I chugged like, you know, 10 bottles of Arrowhead and actually felt sick. But uh, eventually uh, peed into a contraption that he devised so that he could take uh, my urine into his drug test. And uh, apparently was successful. But this is, this is the apartment where I was at. And I thought, I haven't even been in the vicinity of that place since I left there, really. And so I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if... Uh, wouldn't it be interesting if I just walked across town and just marched up to where I used to live and just kind of see that area? You know, it's probably about three miles out from where we are. And that'd be six miles there and back, right? That'd be pretty cool. That'd be a good exercise for the weekend. The weather's nice, etc. And I show up at my girlfriend's and she's like, hey, what would you like to do? And I thought, you know what's crazy? I just had this idea of maybe marching over to this place where I used to live. And she said, well, you know, I kind of had this idea of like maybe finding these staircases. And I was like, What? Isn't that like, uh, so that's like a very girlfriend thing to do, where they're like, hey, you know what, there's these secret staircases around the city, maybe we could go around and find some of them, and I was like, okay, 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 maybe we could find some secret staircases, all right, and uh, we find one on Google Maps, and you're not gonna fucking believe it, you're literally not gonna, I know I'm not supposed to be saying literally, but you're not gonna fucking believe what I'm about to tell you. The staircase that we looked at, I shit you not, was across the street from the apartment that I moved into. Across the fucking street. Completely uncued. Without any sign from my girlfriend, I was just thinking, what would I like to do tomorrow? I'd like to walk across town to the place I was at when I first moved out here, which I haven't seen in 12 years, just for the exercise. And I asked my girlfriend, what do you want to do? Something that sounded completely different, was completely foreign to me, something I never thought about in my entire life. And it was directly across the street from where I wanted to go. What the fuck is that about, man? What is that? Now, your boy's an atheist, but that's like what? That's like synchronicity, right? That's that Jungian synchronicity thing, right? Like, what is that? 
Is that just one of those things that on a long enough timeline that's just bound to happen? I mean, you have to understand. You know, it's just, I don't know, man. It just, it makes me feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be in my life. Not that I'm happy. Don't get it twisted. I'm, I, if, if you ask me to evaluate my life, I wouldn't even know if I'd say I'm happy overall. Which sounds like a morbid thing to say. Um, damn. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we're kind of flirting on the subject of some serious stuff, which I'm not sure I really want to get into, but... um Dude, I'm in a transitional. I'm in a transitional uh, phase for sure. I think it's a confluence of things. I think it's my fucking age. You know, I'm in my mid thirties. Um, I'm finishing my time at uh, junior college, about to transition into my uh, four year. And uh, I don't know. Life's getting weird, man. Getting old. Getting old is no joke, man. Anyway, how you doing? I never check in with you guys. You folks. My stepmother used to hate it when people said, guys, how you guys doing tonight? That makes sense, right? Very gendered. I'm also noticing I have a splinter in my finger now, which is awesome. Anyway, how are we going to fill the rest of this time, man? We're only 33 minutes into the podcast. And I got nothing left on the list except to fucking do this ASL story again and narrate it. What would it feel like to just do a short-ass fucking episode? I'd really feel like it was a cop-out. How would you feel? <laughs> I know many of you wouldn't shed a tear, but I know some of you listen. I hear from you. Thank you. <laughs> I will say... uh there's a couple things, actually. I finished watching this show on Apple TV called Ted Lazo, which is fucking awesome. You start watching it, and you're like, uh, it's basically about an American dude who goes to England to teach soccer or football and uh, doesn't know shit about the game, but his whole coaching style is like, I'm going to be a good guy. And uh, you start watching it, and you know, at the end of the first pilot, you kind of go, okay, there's something here, because it kind of mixes the comedy, and then they throw some real poignant shit at the end, and you go, okay, this is going to be a little nuance, nuance of a show. As the first season progresses, it gets a little saccharine, you know, it gets a little too, uh, oh, a little too leads with the heart kind of thing, not enough pathos or, or poignancy, it's just a look, I don't know, it kind of gets a little saccharine, but that's okay, it's still a feel-good show, and... Uh, I think the craziest thing is that it was based on, like, uh, commercials. I was going to say, like, Geico commercials, but I think it was just, like, a segment on, like, NBC Sports or something like that, which uh, I haven't seen the originals, but apparently did really well. Enough that they made a fucking show about it. I mean, I guess I'm thinking Geico, because didn't they make, they like, the um, Neanderthals, Neanderthals from Geico, they made a fucking show out of those people that fucking went down in flames, of course. 
because how could that be fucking successful? But this also sounds like a goddamn nightmare of a television show that is fucking actually really good. Uh, the only problem is it's on Apple TV, which most of us don't watch. Uh, so you will have to, uh, you can actually get like a seven day free trial. And I think there's like eight episodes in the first season, maybe 10. But if you're like most of us, you could get through that in a week. So, um, I would totally say check it out, but I finished watching that and, uh, my girlfriend had gone to bed. And so I was on, uh, Netflix just looking for something to watch. And I started watching this show called Forged in Fire. Have you seen this show? My girlfriend like wakes up at like one in the morning and it's like, what the fuck are you watching? I was like, Forged in Fire, boo. It's basically a show. Like every show is like a competitive interest show. Like, hey, do you forge? Do you bake? We're going to have a baking show. We're going to have a fucking forging show. We're going to have a macrame show. We're going to have a fucking roasted meats show. And uh, so the actual like competition element of the show is fucking pretty shitty. And it's like, it's just like edited like a reality TV show with... I don't know, pretty formulaic, uh, which is actually not the right way to do things. Uh, like when you look at a show like Great British Baking Show, it actually highlights the skill that you really don't know a lot about. And there's something really just intrinsically engaging about watching people do something expertly that you really don't know a lot about. It's just intriguing. They show you why it's interesting. It just helps you understand why something is cool. And uh, this show is a little bit too much aesthetic. And they always do that fucking move. Like... I don't know, I can't think of a comparison, but it would be like if there was like a construction show that just has something like do with like a chiseled jawline and like a flannel shirt who's just kind of like the, I don't know, archetypal, uh, masculine, alpha male type of guy just standing there. And you know the dude's just an actor, you know? He doesn't know how to fucking do shit. He's not a contractor or whatever. He's just standing there. Uh, he's supposed to just embody or be the totem or the aesthetic of the show. And they have it with this fucking Forge and Fire show. But basically, it's just like a fucking weaponry. It's like smelting blades or whatever. It's just people like making weapons. And they're like, your task today is to make this, uh, I don't know, a Bowie knife. <laughs> and it has to be under these specs. And they just fucking show these people who live in the middle of fucking nowhere. Because who the fuck forges weapons in an urban area? But... These people who are just from, like, uh, armpit Kentucky who have, like, a forge at their house and clearly just do this for fun, like, try to make weapons. So that's kind of interesting. But the crazy part with a lot of these shows, and I do feel this a little bit with Great British Baking Show, is I'm never really impressed with what people put up. Like, when I first started watching Great British Baking Show, at the time, I think they called it Masterclass. But basically the show, they had shot it in such a way where, like, you could watch the show... But then there was also this, like, uh, tangential show, How's That for Calculus, um, where they would actually show the hosts, the experts, make the thing that they were asking other people to make so you could see how it's really supposed to be done. You know, they're not under the same pressures or the time crunches, but also they're fucking professionals, right? And I know it sounds easy to say, like, or obvious to say that the professionals are worlds away from the amateurs, but the idea, I think, usually, is this competition is supposed to find out, like, who has the potential to be a professional themselves, when really you just see a lot of kind of, like, shit. Like, you don't see anyone making the kind of food that even remotely approaches what the experts seem to be able to make. And it's usually an issue of um, the fundamentals, where they fail. And the same thing with this forging show. 
it's like nobody ever really knocks it out of the park. They're just like the least worst. Everything that everybody puts up just kind of looks like I made it. It looks like you would make it at home. It doesn't look like a professional weapon or something that anybody would actually wield. Just kind of strange. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What's the point of that? I don't know. I watch shitty TV. I mean, there's only so much Jeopardy you can watch. I'm watching a shit ton of that. And dude, your boy should be on goddamn Jeopardy. There's plenty of shit I don't know, but maybe this is just what happens when you get older. Or maybe that's, I don't know. I guess I used to think that you'd have to, you had to be really fucking smart to be on Jeopardy. And I guess to win it, you probably do. And also, I'm sure there's something completely different about actually being on the show and thinking under those time pressures. And I guess because me and my girlfriend do kind of hit the pause button (laughs) to like think of answers. But dude, your boy, it's impressive. Your boy's got a lot of answers. My girlfriend said it's probably true. I'm probably in peak mental shape if I was ever going to go on Jeopardy or Geoparty, as her dad calls it language barrier um that i should do it now i'm right at the apex of my undergraduate education you know i'm exposed to a a dearth of information that i haven't been exposed to at other times and uh i don't know it's just funny i also know the shit on my girlfriend because i'm not well maybe i will show you i do this pose when i get a right answer i do it laying in bed but i just kind of go i just kind of like put my chest out (laughs) <laughs> that's my victory post so every time I get a right answer I just she fucking hates it she tries to do it herself actually which is pretty cool she'll get one that I don't get and then she'll just fucking pose on me and it's like oh shit <clears throat> it's kind of like when break dancers kind of do that like you know they like fucking break on you and they strike some pose and then just look at you like <laughs> do that it's kind of funny that they take it so serious, seriously when it's just like dancing horse. Like, you know, horse when you play basketball. It's like, oh, I shot an H. Now you got to do that. Shoot an H. It's like, I fucking just dance off. and I'm like, you do it. And then you do it. And you're like, put a little twist on it. And you're like, you do it. I'm like, and I try to do it. Put a little twist on it. I'm like, you do it. <laughs> Humans are weird, man. Anyway, Fortune Fire. I can't say I recommend it. It is such a dude thing, though, to, like, these days, like, get into, like, forging. Like, I think it's obvious. You know, obviously, with the pandemic, people are getting into all sorts of, like, new domestic hobbies that they wouldn't do otherwise, like knitting, right? Everyone's knitting. Everyone's baking. Uh, My girlfriend's been coloring. Not, like, coloring books, like all you other dweebs with your adult coloring books. Which, by the way, I heard... uh, Who knows if it's still true, but the last time I heard any facts about publishing... The highest grossing source of income in the publishing market was adult coloring books. What the fuck's wrong with you people? More than novels, more than fiction, more than nonfiction, more than anything. By a long shot, the highest... What's the word I'm looking for? People... Adult coloring books outsold everything else in publishing by miles in recent history. The pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic, adult coloring books outsold everything. What the fuck's wrong? And fanalize adults. Anyway, the point is, is uh, I kind of noticed this, like when I was visiting my brother, he was living in, oh, who cares? He doesn't live there anymore. He was living in Cincinnati for a time. And um, when I was visiting him, there was this like, 
you just see the hipsterfication of like all over the globe. Like, of course, a lot of shit that we have out here in the Bay Area, you know, these sort of like dudes with like, uh, what, what are those old, uh, what are those old bicycles with the huge front wheels? But like, you know, the twirly mustaches and shit, you know, that hipster I'm talking about, like those dudes really get into like, these are the dudes who have like the shaved sides of their heads with like the comb over, you know, and they're all about like their beards and they're all about like their, I don't know. They look like they fell out of a fucking REI catalog. Those dudes, um, they get into weird shit like jerky. Like they're just really getting into like jerking meats. <laughs> He said jerky means, but you know what I mean? They get into like jerky or they get into like something. They really get into like grooming or something like that. Like they really get into like grooming their beard. Like forging is the type of things that like dudes get into. Like I feel like dudes can't really be dudes anymore. And I'm not trying to go on a whole like Joe Rogan type thing here. But what I am saying is I think part of the appeal for Joe Rogan is he's this sort of unapologetic mass out like kind of alpha male, like a thoughtful alpha male. He's the kind of male that people feel like they could be and still be politically correct these days, even though a lot of people who are social justice warriors, whatever, would crucify Joe Rogan. But you know what I mean? Like, he's a generally thoughtful dude, and but he's also, like, a dude. He hunts and all that sort of shit. So it's the type of thing that people get into. Like, roasting meats is a big thing now. Like, everybody wants me to roast meats. Everybody wants me to really care about the comfort of my T-shirt. It's kind of a dude thing now to get into. But I feel like forging is the type of thing that, like, dudes... Like, I feel so bad for girls who are, like, dating dudes who just, like... They roll everyone in and say, Honey, I'm gonna get into roasting meats. And you're like, Fuck! I gotta sit next to this guy as he's, like, on YouTube, like, looking up fucking roasting meats. And he's having me taste all his fucking... Briskets. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Or am I just fucking... Does that not make sense to you guys? You folks. You people. I'm going to start being like Daniel Day-Lewis, like where I can't stand people from There Will Be Blood. These people. I don't like people. I see the worst in them. Sorry, I'm just like picking at this uh, splinter that I have here. It's pretty gnarly. Anyway, that'll be fun. That'll be fun to express later. Oh, you know what my girlfriend made me do? Well, she didn't make me... My girlfriend don't make me do shit, you understand me? But you know what I did do? <laughs> I use a Biore pour strip. There's something about... Um, I lost my favorite mask that I've had. And actually, yeah, I guess I'm kind of a hypocrite here. I'm like, yeah, dudes get into all sorts of weird shit like, uh, f- like forging. Uh, your boy's gotten into firearms recently, so what the fuck does that make me? But uh, basically, I had, uh, a couple weeks ago, I had to do my second round of the vaccine, and I was on my way to the firing range. And uh, I forgot my mask at home. So I had to stop. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop fucking with my finger. I'm like pulling it out. I'm not even focusing on you folks. But hit, but but I was driving to the shooting range and I got halfway there. It's pretty far from my house. And I realized, oh, I don't have my fucking mask. So I had to pull off and go to a, a convenience store. And I walk in there. I'm kind of standing at a distance from the people who are inside. And I see this dude kind of in the back. He's kind of in their back room. And this dude is just counting money. I mean, he just has wads of cash. And I'm like, First of all, if I wanted to rob this place, or if I was even uh, slightly disposed to criminal element, I would feel like this was a fucking windfall. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. This guy was just counting wads of cash where everyone could see him. So there was a part of that wanted to say, uh, hey, dude, don't do that. But I see him turn to me and out of the corner of his eye, because I'm like trying to like avert my gaze because I'm trying to be inconspicuous without a mask on. He's about to say, hey, dude, where's your mask? And I go, oh, uh, do you sell masks? 
And he's like, he gets the drift. And so he sells me a mask. All good. And, um, and what was I saying? Oh, I think I was just saying, I have this new mask now. It's, uh, it's a black and white American flag. It was my fault for saying, he's like, oh, which one do you want? And I was like, I don't care. Just give me whatever you want. So he gave me the black and white American flag. So I don't know. I feel a little, I feel a little weird. (laughs) It's like a, a bald white dude with an American flag mask that, I don't know. I feel like people might think I'm a Trumper, but uh, especially at the firing range. I feel like people think it's some kind of statement. I want to be like, I'm not one of you people. Um, but, uh, dude, it makes my face break out. I feel like I'm okay today, but the last couple weeks I've just been like, geez, man. I feel like I'm like 16. I feel like my voice should be cracking. I feel like, uh, who's the Brady boy whose voice cracked? Famous episode of the Brady Bunch? I don't know. But my girlfriend was like, hey, we should do a Biore pore strip ad. Hashtag ad. Hashtag pay me. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll promote some products on this podcast. But my girlfriend was, actually, this is not an ad when, when you see here where this goes. My girlfriend was like, oh, we should do these Biore pore strips. And I was like, all right, I've never fucked with those. Let's try it. And she was like, oh, it's going to be great. You get to see all the stuff on it when you're done. Now, that sounds gross to talk about, but we all know that that's like pretty cool too. Like the best part about getting a pimple is popping it, right? Now, the problem with that is that it actually probably makes your face worse. And it's probably, I mean, I think, I think people think that when you express like the bacteria comes out and you like spread it all over your face, that may be true. But also you could pop pimples and then just wash your face afterwards and you'd be pretty good. I bet it's actually because you're touching your face with your dirty ass fingers and you're popping pimples with your nails, kind of, you know? And that's probably where there's a shit ton of bacteria under your fingernails, and that's, you're just, like, pushing it into your face. So I think just touching your face alone makes you break out. So, um, where am I going with this? Oh, the idea of, like, using a Biore pore strip, pulling it off and seeing a bunch of blackheads, or even pulling out pus would be kind of cool for me. Um, so we put it on. You have to, like, wet your face. You apply it. You put it on your oily T-zone. So you put it like on your brow and then like across your nose. There's like two strips. And then you just let it sit. So we had like a little uh, girls night uh, with Biore pore strips while we were watching Geo Party. And uh, time to take them off. And first of all, kind of painful. But also didn't see shit. The only thing I had was this kind of like residue on my nose that I had to wipe off. Which if I hadn't would have clogged my pores probably and made me break out even more. But what a fucking waste that is. You know, my girlfriend was like, oh, you can see this stuff. I'm like, no, you can't. If you can, not enough. You know, you ever see like on Instagram, you'll see those videos, which is like people like, first of all, I'm not like a Dr. Pimple Popper kind of guy. Like I'm not that type of dude who likes seeing uh, pimples being expressed, but you know, a whitehead or a blackhead, I can handle that. I certainly enjoy it on myself. All right, we're just getting gross here. What can I say? I don't know. I have a note here that says Bela Bartok. I don't know what I'm going to say about that. I already mentioned that I listened to, uh, you know, I mentioned I, I set this curriculum for myself for a composer where I'll just write down all their major works that I feel like I have to listen to. And I think at the time it was like 13 and a half hours of music, but I actually went back and realized there was more I wanted to listen to. So I've done all, all those this week too. And especially as I haven't had my car, I've been able to like just kind of, when I walk, I just have my earbuds in and listen to music too. So 
It's kind of nice walking around and listening to Bela Bar talk as I walk to my girlfriend's place. It's about a 20-minute walk from here. So that's been nice. Yeah, check him out. If you haven't listened to Bela Bar talk, check out his string quartets. At least one, two, and three. And uh, what else should you check out? Check out his Out of Doors Suite for Piano. It's pretty cool. Also, check out the Concerto for Orchestra. And then if you really want to fucking get out there, he has these two violins. For, he has three violins for Sonata. The third one, though, is solo. No piano coming of it. But if you listen to the... I would say the first one especially. Here, actually, here's, two, here's what you should do. He has two sets of compositions uh, for violin and piano. One is the Rhapsodies, which are fucking awesome. One and two. They're just beautiful. You're, you're going to like them. Just listen to them. And then compare those with the violin sonatas with piano accompaniment, um, which are fucking insane and out there. Like, Bartok is pretty cool because he's very modern, a lot of chromaticism, kind of non-tonal music. Um, but it's... I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I don't want to say that other stuff is not palatable because it's just it's a little more m- m- mysterious or even grating or, or something. Like you listen to Messiaen, Olivier Messiaen, who's like a French composer. That's challenging music to tolerate a lot of it. Like I mentioned, uh, I took my girlfriend to see, um, I'm going to butcher the name, but he has an organ piece called La Nativité, La Nativité du Seigneur, like the Nativity of the Lord, right? Whatever. And uh, it was performed at this uh, Cathedral of Christ the Light in Oakland. Beautiful fucking church. But this is a, you know, in terms of classical music, this is a modern composition, which is not tonal. So I think a lot of people showed up, showed up around Christmas time thinking this was going to be some kind of like Christmas organ concert. Half the people left because it's just like very hard on the ears. And that's kind of like the arena that a lot of Bartok music uh, swims in. Some of it is more tonal and straightforward and, and like the concerto for orchestra is pretty, uh, accessible, you know, which is kind of a shitty word, but it is. Um, and the Rhapsodies are that way. The violin sonatas are fucking out there. They're, especially the second one is maybe the most out there thing that he's ever composed. And, uh, so, uh, maybe that could be something to task yourself with if you're looking for, for new music. Listen to the Bartok Rhapsodies for violin and piano. They're also scored for, uh, or he arranged them for orchestra. I can't remember which came first. Probably piano first. But um, uh, listen to the violin rhapsodies, one and two for violin and piano, and then listen to the violin sonatas for violin and piano, one and two. It's like two different uh, universes, but both very interesting. Um, but yeah, today I listened to the the violin sonatas kind of on a loop while I was doing math and we're trying to just trying to like get those melodies in my head. Cause they're just so out there. And also there's this uh, violin player, Pat- Patricia Kopajenskaya, who I first stumbled on, uh, when I was kind of in the Stravinsky phase and, uh, my girlfriend and I were going to see, um, a performance for the SF symphony. One of Michael Tilson Thomas's last, sorry, I punched the mic. One of Michael Tilson Thomas, uh, who was the former music director, conductor of the, uh, San Francisco Symphony. He's now retired. Um, uh, one of his last concerts, I guess, but he uh, conducted the Rite of Spring and Petrushka. And also on that bill was uh, the Violin Concerto, 
uh, Stravinsky's Violin Concerto, which I had never heard before. But as I was sort of preparing for the concert, you know, kind of get the music in my head so I can just kind of sit and enjoy the uh, enjoy uh, the music, I saw this video, and I have the score of the Violin Concerto now, but I, I saw this video performance just by chance, whatever was on YouTube, of Patricia Kopijinskaya, and I just remembered her, like, exuberance and her presence or whatever. So as I'm listening to Bela Bartok, and I'm finding videos, I see a performance of uh, Patricia Kopijinskaya performing the second Violin Concerto. And uh, it was just phenomenal. She's just unlike anybody. She plays barefoot, which is fine, but you know, YouTube wants to show you other things. And it's like, I just see these interviews with her. One of them was her rehearsing Piero Lunaire. She's a violin player, but she did the, uh, there's a um, a vocal part in that piece. It's like a little, I don't know if you want to call it an operetta, but it's like a, a kind of like a, a drama for a chamber orchestra. Um, very weird uh, by Schoenberg. And the vocalist doesn't really sing. They call it Sprechstimme. I'm not going to say it right, but it's like that. But it's like spoken melody. And uh, she did something very different, which is, and she did, played that role. Very strange for a violinist to do. But this, I've just seen a lot of videos of her now just speaking about music. And she's just uh, very free and very like thoughtful and very uh, inspiring uh, personage. Um, so why am I telling you about that? I don't know. Check check out Patricia Kopijinskaya. Uh, there's a video of her playing the uh, second violin sonata with piano on YouTube somewhere. Uh, I wish there was a video of her playing the first, but um, just a fucking wild piece of music. Anyway, fucking... I don't think I really have anything else to say. Except this. We're almost at the end of our time here. So why don't I do this? I'm going to go for round two of the gum story, and this time, which I've never done before as I've signed it, but I will try to narrate it so that you understand the story. So uh, if you're listening to this, you're kind of cheating. What I want you to do is watch the video podcast, but that's cool. I will now read you the gum story with narration, and we'll do this together for the first time. A boy is chewing gum chewing, chewing, walking, and he likes it. All of a sudden, he hears his mother call out, Come here! Uh-oh. The boy knows mother doesn't like gum. He takes it out, wads it up, and puts it on a bench. And the boy runs to his mother. A man comes walking up with glasses and a bow tie, an old man walking slowly. He sits on the bench, pulls out a newspaper and reads. When he's done, he puts the newspaper away, but when he goes to get up, he's stuck. He tries again. I can't get up. He tries again. With all his might, he pushes and he's up and he realizes, oh, I have gum on my bum. I have gum on my bum. So he wads it up. And he throws it on the ground. And he leaves. Then, someone else comes on. It's a woman. With her hair up in a bun. Earrings. Necklaces. Bracelets. And shoes that are pointy with heels. And she walks... And she steps in the gum and she's stuck. 
She tries. She can't get up. She tries and frees herself. Ugh. She looks. Oh. There's gum under my shoe. She pulls it off, looks around. She takes it and throws it. There's a tree. It lands on the tree. And she leaves. There's a boy and a girl who are infatuated. They walk onto the scene. The girl leans against the tree. The boy leans over, speaks sweetly to her. The girl bats her eyes at the boy. When they're finished, the girl leaves. The boy, he's stuck. Ugh, I'm stuck. He takes his hand and pulls it off. He sees there's gum. Ugh. He takes it and puts it back on the bench. And the boy leaves. <gasps> Who's this? The boy comes back. Mother can't see me. Mmm. He looks around. My gum is still there. He takes the gum, puts it in his mouth, chews, blows bubbles. He likes it. Mm. And the boy walks, and he walks off. And there, sorry, there, I probably should have had the microphone in front of my face as I was doing that, but there is the gum story. And with that, let's end the episode. Um, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, you can on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, in fact, everywhere you find good podcasts, you'll find this one. Take a minute, rate and review us, give us five stars, type a couple sentences about why you like the podcast and why others will also. If you can think of someone in your life who would like the show, send them your favorite episode. Uh, also, the video podcast available now. On our website at thisismpod.com, also on YouTube. Uh, yeah, subscribe to that. That's kind of, I don't know, that's kind of the way the kids are listening to podcasts these days, isn't it? With video podcasts. So, um, subscribe, see your Wolfcroft boy in person, see what he looks like, and, uh, you know, engage all your senses. Really let me into your life. And uh, with that, we'll end this episode. Uh, we will see you next week as we inch our way toward episode 100. And uh, until then, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. And ciao for now. <laughs>